The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. Glory to you. Jesus said to the crowds, I am the living bread which has come down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh for the life of the world. This is the bread come down from heaven. Not like the bread our ancestors ate. They are dead. But anyone who eats this bread will live forever. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so like I said, I'd love us to just talk about this sacrament. This is the source and summit of the Christian life, which is a big statement. I've said that before. Such a, you couldn't really make a bigger statement than that about, about an earthly or a seemingly earthly thing. So let's start here. Um, someone out there who has no idea what we believe really, they might have heard bits and pieces, but they say to you, hey, what is it you Catholics believe about, well, they wouldn't even articulate it that way, but I guess they'd say, what, what do you people believe? What are you doing in there? You know, and what, what do we say? This isn't a test, by the way, but I mean, the conversation may well happen today. So what do you say? Okay. Right, right. I respect. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> None of your business. Yeah, good on you. Good. That's true. It's an intimate thing, isn't it? Um, it's it's almost like being asked, "Hey, what are you and your spouse doing?" None of your business. You know, it's a tremendously sacred thing. But but. At the same time, we're bearing a public witness. In Gladstone this morning, we had a Eucharistic procession, which is usually something only the big city Catholics do, because they've got the big, you know, like the, the environment calls for it. Um, we just went around the block and went to, what do you call it? Something park. What's that park? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you were there, yeah. yeah. So um, even though it's tremendously intimate and sacred and shouldn't be trampled on, it's at the same time public. Just like everything we do in faith, there's an interior life, but, but, but people can see it. And, and um, we're witnessing to it all the time. Okay, cool. Let's say they don't understand those things. Paying respect they might understand because that's a kind of universal thing. We know what paying respect should and could look like. Um, but what, what do you mean the body and blood of Christ? What do you mean the sacrament of communion? Um, these are things I think that might confuse people. What what do we mean by saying those things? Because they might say, well, I don't know what a sacrament is, and yeah, I've seen other churches have communion, but you don't really believe that the bread and the wine becomes, you know, if I put it under a microscope, am I going to see molecular meat and molecular blood cells? Yeah, yeah. Transubstantiation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it does. It does. And yet, I I would caution us 
Because in a way, it's easy to make it a... This is not what you're doing, by the way, I don't think. But it's easy to make it a relativistic thing and to say, oh, look, for us it means this, but for you maybe it doesn't mean that. And it's like, yeah, but is it just our faith that makes it real? Or is it real and our faith gives us access to that reality? That's, a, that's an important question to ask. And there is a big difference, you know? Um, it's not like our faith itself has the power to change reality. Our faith gives us the eyes to see. It gives us a sense. You know that term, the, the sensus fidelium, the sense of the faithful? It's like an extra vision that, that we have by virtue of being a faithful people. Um, so, so what would you start to say if they were confused on this point? Or would you, would you take a different angle? Because honouring is a good angle to take. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. And it links back to the Trinity Sunday as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. That's really cool. Um, I was thinking, I, so like I said, these three, Pentecost, Holy Trinity, and, and today's Solemnity, and to some degree the Sacred Heart as well, um, they sort of lock in with each other. Like they always cascade after each other in this way in the liturgy, in the liturgical calendar. And I think, therefore, they, they illuminate each other, you know. Um, I was listening to a talk on the Trinity where um, the speaker was saying, we have a triune God, one God, one substance, the, the, the technical language would say, and God is made out of a particular stuff and that's exclusively God. Um, but, but we know this God because God has decided to reveal God's self in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. Um, out of the three, only two proceed to us. So it's like, do I encounter God the Son? Yeah, in the person of Jesus, in the Word, um, in the logic, think of the word logos, word, in the, in the kind of meaning of goodness and truth and beauty. Do I experience the Spirit? Yeah. Um, in, the, in the grace and in the life of God in me and in, and in the world and in the beauty and grandeur of everything that God has made. Do I encounter the Father? Well, yeah, but in a very different way because the Father doesn't proceed out of the highest heavens and come to earth like that. The Son and the Spirit do. We say it in our creed. I believe in the Father, da 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 and the Son who proceeded, and the Spirit, da 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 the Father doesn't proceed to us like that. So in a way, the Father doesn't move closer to us, you might say. The Father is already infinitely close to us. And, and we draw close to the Father, unlike we draw close to the Son and the Spirit, because with the Son and the Spirit, we can use our senses. We can sort of use our emotions. We can use our images. And, and we can use a whole lot of means to try and draw close to the Son and the Spirit. But if I want to draw close to the Father... In a sense, I have to, let's say, suspend my emotions, suspend my imagination, close my eyes, and instead of looking around, I sort of look at the black, you know, and it's like, Heavenly Father, I know you're there, like I know it. Um, and it's the one God anyway, so um, by meeting the Son, we meet the Father. By meeting the Spirit, we meet the Father. 
Okay, anyway, the reason I said that is you were saying that the Eucharist is a kind of a reset where we're meeting again the God who, who wants to reorient our whole life. You know, he wants to help us own his sway, as the old hymns say. God's movement is meant to be our movement. That's literally the only reason we exist, to, to sort of dance with God. Um, and therefore the Eucharist is like a super, super beautiful move on God's part. Because what is it? It's God precisely saying, you are beautiful, not just your soul, not just your mind, and regardless of how intelligent and clear our mind is, regardless of how, um, I don't know, uh, purified and, and um, uh, anxiety-free our soul is, all that stuff, all of that, but even your body, even your scars, pertinent to some of us at the moment. You know, it was when Jesus showed his scars that they rejoiced, you know what I mean? And we're all rejoicing with you, Val, by the way. I hope you know that. Um, yeah, all of you is precious. And if, if I don't think God could have made that clearer than taking flesh um, and saying, partake of this, embrace it. Um, God, who was happy to touch leprous skin, um, while he walked the earth, he now invites us to touch his flesh, you know, in faith, yeah, in sign and symbol, yeah, but in reality as well. Um, and, I, and I don't know how exactly we articulate this to that world out there, but, but we have to. We're called to somehow when, when we're asked um, if we know. Um, the word transubstantiation is, you're not going to find it in the Bible, obviously, but... Um, but it's, it's a way of saying, one, we're not foolish. Uh, we see what you see. We see. You see bread, we see bread. You see wine, we see wine. But we see more. We see the substance. Remember that word, God is of one substance? Father, Son, and Spirit are all the same stuff. Well, um, uh, Thomas Aquinas, borrowing the philosophy of Aristotle, he used this, this way of um, examining what a thing is. We'd say it's, it's substance, it's ontology, and what a thing presents itself as. So all of us here are the substance of human, you know? But we've all got different hair color. We've, some of us got different skin color. Uh, we've all, we've we got like what, what Aristotle would call accidents, you know? The substance is human. The accidents, all the external stuff that we see and whatever, that can change. Now, ordinarily speaking, we can change what a lot of things look like. Like I can take that cushion and I can dye it black. Or I can sand down these chairs and varnish them brown. You know, I can change the accidents of a lot of things. I can't really change the substance of anything. You know, I can't let that remain accidentally as a cushion, but from now on it's substantially gold. I don't, I don't have that kind of power at all. I've got no apparatus by which to perform that task. Jesus, God, who created everything, he's the author of time and space and matter, um, 
God can do this. God can make a thing, present the same accidents, and there's a reason for that. Um, those accidents say something to us, but then the substance of a thing is changed. That's what transubstantiation is. It's almost like you've got, it's like you've got the bread, right? And imagine there's the essence of bread, and then there's the outward appearance of bread. And we bring this bread to the altar, and we say, Lord, by means of this symbol, um, allow us to encounter the substance of God in a profound and in a uniquely full way, in a uniquely real way. It's unique because one might say, well, God's everywhere, you know. But this argument I find a bit problematic because it's like, if God's every, like, are you telling me you worship God literally everywhere? If you do, good for you. But do you? <laughs> you know, like sometimes people say, oh, I don't need to go to church. I go to the beach to worship. And it's like, are you really telling me you worship God at the beach? Because if you do, good on you. But I don't, I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't believe you. Frankly, um, I, I think, I think it's a way to relax, and that can be a kind of worship. But uh, that's not that's not the highest form of worship. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I really challenge that kind of thinking. It's like, well, come on, you know, yes, but no. Um, the same, the same is here. It's like God is everywhere, but God allows us a kind of super intensity of His presence. He's everywhere. Yeah, sure. But if we want to make eye contact with him, where do we look? If we want to embrace him, where do we go? If we want to taste him, literally, what do we do? Well, he gives us this real presence of himself. Real, substantial presence. And the fact that the accidents are different is not an accident, pardon the pun, but even that's on purpose. Because what does bread tell you? I'm hungry and I need to be fed. I'm a man or a person just like everyone, and everyone needs basic sustenance. Um, this bread didn't appear by magic, but, but human hands had to take gift from the earth and work with it and use their, use their utility and hand something back to God, which is honorable, which is like, what was the word you used? Paying homage. It's, a, it's an act of homage. You know, um, All of this and more is caught up in the substance and the accidents of Jesus who says, I am the bread of life. Anyone who eats of this bread will never die. Not like your ancestors, they ate manna in the desert. Manna means, what's that? That's literally what it meant. The stuff falls on the ground, they're like, what's that stuff? That's what manna means. Um, well, in a way, that's happening right now in 2023 in Miriamvale. People are looking at this and they're saying, what's that? It's... It's bread from heaven. That's what it is. It's the substance of God. Now, I know I've spoken a lot, but I want to read for you, if that's okay, um, these words from Thomas Aquinas, because he's a lot more eloquent than I am. And, um, and I want to hear what he says over here about the, about the Eucharist. Thomas Aquinas says, The only begotten Son of God, wishing to enable us to share in his divinity, assumed our nature, so that by becoming man, he might make us gods. Now, don't let that scare you, because it's not that there's multiple gods. It's about one substance meeting the other substance. Humanity meeting divinity in the, in the most 
uh, uninhibited way. Moreover, he turned the whole of our nature, which he assumed, to our salvation. For he offered his body to God the Father on the altar of the cross as a sacrifice for our reconciliation. And he shed his blood for our ransom and our cleansing, so that we might be redeemed from wretched captivity and cleansed of all our sins. Now, in order that we might always keep the memory of the great act of love, he left his body as food and his blood as drink to be received by the faithful under the appearance of bread and wine. How precious and wonderful is this banquet, which brings us salvation and is full of all delight. What could be more precious? It is not the meat of calves or kids that is offered, as happened in the old law. At this meal, Christ, the true God, is set before us to eat. What could be more wonderful than this sacrament? No sacrament contributes more to our salvation than this, for it purges away our sins, increases our virtues, and nourishes our minds with an abundance of all the spiritual gifts. It is offered in the church for the living and the dead, so that it may be beneficial to all, as it was instituted for the salvation of all. Finally, Thomas concludes, no one is capable of expressing the delight of this sacrament through which the sweetness of the Spirit is tasted as at its source and the memory is celebrated of that surpassing love which Christ showed in his passion. And so, in order to imprint the immensity of his love more deeply in the hearts of the faithful, that's us, at the Last Supper, when the Lord had celebrated the Pasch with his disciples and was about to pass from this world to his Father, he instituted this sacrament as a perpetual memorial of his passion. It fulfills all the types of the old law, everything that we can remember in the Old Testament about blood from the altar sprinkled all over the place and blood on the doorposts and going through the Red Sea, all of that. It fulfills every type in the Old Testament. It was the greatest of the miracles he worked, and he left it as a unique consolation to those who were desolate at his departure. Let's come and partake of that living bread, hey? Eh?